What's up, guys? So today we have another podcast with Vigorous Steve. I thought the last one went really well. Uh, there were a lot of follow-up questions sent to me in DMs or in the comments section, and he seemed like a cool guy to talk to, very knowledgeable, so I wanted to have him back on. I thought today we would have a cool segment where we do some Q&A. We kind of touch on some things from the last podcast, and at the end, in part two, which is going to be on Steve's channel, so make sure you check that out, there we're going to have an actual full analysis of my very comprehensive recent blood work. So I've talked about blood work a little bit on the channel. Uh, Steve does a lot of that, and so I thought it would be cool to kind of collab on that and let you guys see what an analysis of that looks like for those of you who are concerned with your health. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast, and make sure you check out part two on Steve's channel, link below. All right, everybody. So back on the podcast today, we have Vigorous Steve. How you doing, man? What's up, guys? How are you? It's been a while. It's been, what, a month? Month ago uh, that we did our last podcast? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Honestly, man, it's weird. Like, I'll have people back on sometimes, and I'll realize I haven't talked to them in, like, a year. Like, you just, there's so many people in the space that you connect with, you sometimes you just kind of right. lose track of things. Yeah, and you, you all follow each other, right, online, so you think you're, like, in right. close connection, but exactly. uh, we're just watching each other's YouTube videos. Yeah, well, isn't, so that might be, that's an interesting thing to talk about. It's like when you watch somebody right you feel mm -hmm. more connected with them right i mean this right. is why all of us as we started youtube channels have all gotten way more clients than we probably ever had before and Absolutely. that's actually one of the the things with my youtube channel that i noticed is like back in i don't know when i started watching youtube fitness in like 2011 and 12 and mm -hmm. you would see these videos and like you'd feel like you knew the people you were watching and like i wasn't going to make a youtube channel just to like respond to my like their videos right. like my thoughts on their videos mm -hmm. but now yeah. i've actually talked to a lot of these people um and i you know you'll realize and i have this sometimes clients will reach out to me and i'll realize like oh yeah this person actually knows quite a lot about me and you, but you, you have no of, idea who they are yeah you kind of forget it's, that it's, sometimes you know right it's you know it's very weird and you know especially if you put yourself out there on youtube frequently and you talk about some personal stuff yeah then everybody feels like they know you but then every time you talk to other people you know as long as it's other people from the same space then you have no idea who you were talking to, but right. they know everything about you. And it's even weirder when you meet in, uh, you know, in the real world. Yeah. Like, hey, Steve, uh, how's it going with this and this and this? And I'm like, hey, and who are you? Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> you know, and they mentioned their username or something like that. And it, <laughs> right. Or, or we interacted in the past through uh, direct messages. Right. But, you know, for, for both of us, I'm sure you get a lot of messages every day as well. So it's hard to keep track sometimes. Right. right you know, right. my clients, I do remember. Thank God. Yeah, yeah, uh, the clients I definitely remember. So <laughs> that would be crazy, no? I'm not yeah. that busy yet. Yeah. Right, right. No, but it's but it's it's very good, especially when you get to know other people in this space, like yeah. you know, through podcasts or, or you know, talking behind the scenes. Then it's uh, yeah, it's very interesting. You see who people are and you know who you want to keep in touch with, and some of the guys <laughs> you don't maybe like right. one, one one time, you know. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So um, it's funny, I was watching, I mentioned, you know, before we started recording, I was watching your recent podcast with Leo and Derek, mm -hmm. more plays, more dates. I didn't realize, is Derek only 24? Is that what he said? No, I was joking. He's uh, oh. 27, 28. Yeah, okay, I was going to say, years younger he, than that's I am. a lot younger. Okay, so he's about my age, because it's funny, like he and Leo, and I kind of mentioned this before, they mm -hmm. both have some like very particular, peculiar things about their past that I have had like almost exactly like just like very relatable things. I mean, even to the point that like Leo and I have had the same like diagnoses and things like he's got like athletic heart. That's what I've you know, been right. diagnosed with. Um, he had IBD, I have IBD. 
Um, he even said like he has that a mutation of red beard hairs and like I'll get that sometimes like just like it's like right. a random thing so it's just kind of funny um, and like when I talk to him like even like off air a little bit it's like yeah like we're mm -hmm. both kind of neurotic and I've looked into similar research and things like that so I think it all contributes to success right the neuroticism and the OCD Probably. tendencies that we all have because you're so on point and you want everything your way right and that usually leads down a path of uh, you know pre being successful in the fitness industry yeah it's also why like you know you know i'm a dentist and uh there's like associates and there's owners and like when i've been in like a ownership role or like running a practice i'm like on point and i do very well and if i have to just be like an associate listening to somebody or following them around like i really don't <laughs> do well in i could I, I couldn't do it either you know when i was doing business consulting it was always my way or the highway and it was very difficult to get my point across as a junior business consultant because some of those guys have been in the game for 20 years yeah. And they're like, yeah, well, what do you know? You're fresh out of you know, college, fresh out of university. Right. And then you really have to fight for your position. So after a couple of years of that, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm better off on my own. And uh, but the weird thing is, like, now that I'm on YouTube, you create a like a following, not mm -hmm. not the following of, um, you know, YouTube subscribers or Instagram uh, followers, but more people that take heed to what you have to say, which is mm -hmm. weird. I never thought I'd be in a position like that. Yeah, where you where you can actually have influence. It's a terrible word, right? Influence. influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's but that's what you're doing. Like you can actually give people a reason to change their practices. Sure. Whether that's from a cycling hygiene or, or certain diet practices or training styles or I know nobody listened to me for training advice. <laughs> <but> <laughs> it's mostly for PED content and how to stay healthy while using PEDs. But you can have some sort of influence, you know, over time. Yeah, yeah. And, it's good to get the messages like after six months, like, oh, dude, you, you know, you yeah. changed my life in, in these kinds of aspects, which is uh, very, very good to see. Yeah. yeah and I think, I mean, just inherently, you're going to attract people like you. And so, like, not surprisingly, mm -hmm. like, I do attract a lot of people who are kind of like neurotic and OCD about details, but it's helpful because mm -hmm. it's like, you know, like, I was never somebody who had like, it's not like I started lifting and had this amazing response to lifting. So I get a lot of people <laughs> yeah. who, you know, right. also have dealt with years of frustration over that. And it, it can be helpful even like just mentally to find like, oh, there's somebody like me and like they've come a decent, you know, like they've come pretty far and, right. you know, maybe that can do that too. There's just a relatability to it, you know? Right. Yeah. And the big, the world is big enough that there's, you know, even though you're such a small niche, the niche is so big when you compare it to the rest of the world that there might be, you know, 20 to a hundred thousand people out there with the same scenario and YouTube reaches pretty much everybody or at least right. the English speaking speaking people right and so you can always build your niche and then you right. find out that your niche is gigantically large and that you're no longer in the minority you're actually in the majority right right <laughs> um, very, I was gonna ask you guys because I think you know we, we talked a little bit about like YouTube growth and things like that and you have mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Jason Blaha you know Jason Blaha yeah, of course. He's yeah, been so for ages, right, right, and and I talked with um, Leo about this, and you know, Jason had this like huge trajectory up, and then it, mm -hmm. it's it's funny. I actually made a video that was pretty successful, called like you know, relatively successful, called um, "It's Great to Set the New Jason Blaha," because it was kind of like, all right, you had somebody who had a channel for a little while, didn't mm -hmm. have any growth, all of a sudden started making natty or not videos had this huge trajectory. The difference is obviously um, Greg Doucette is much more successful than Jason. Yeah, you know, and, and he has the background, you know? Right, right, that's what I mean. And so um, I think people take it more seriously, but you still see that and you kind of see this cycle on YouTube mm -hmm. about that. So I don't know, 
I thought it was interesting and maybe you guys can elaborate. I know you guys have made, or at least Leo's made videos on how mm -hmm. um, Greg Doucette's practices are unethical and the way he goes about it. But to me, I see he and Derek make kind of similar videos. I mean, they're both discussing if somebody's natty or not. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think the difference is there of like why maybe you guys would say, well, Greg Doucette is kind of unethical in how he does it, but Derek is, it's, you know, it's, it's all so. Fine. So it's a little bit hard for me to say because I never watched Greg's videos because mm. I f found them extremely annoying. Yeah, um, but the, the, basically, that's it's it's similar setup, right, between Derek and uh, Greg. But what Greg does is is takes he takes from the fitness industry, mm -hmm. whereas basically in reality. The fitness industry gave him who he is, right? Bodybuilding allowed him to be get up to a certain point, you know, get some fame, get his body. I think most of his success comes from bodybuilding. And now he's taking from the fitness industry by, you know, from the videos that I've seen, he's making fun of people. Mm -hmm. So that's why I always try to stay away from the natties or not or giving opinion videos um, because I want to contribute to the fitness industry, not take away from it. Right. And what Derek does, he takes somebody as a subject and then explains you know, what's going on to a more general audience. Right. Like you see, it's getting a little bit more general, a little bit less specific and does it more in an explanatory fashion, you know, and then tries to interject some really good in-depth information that people can actually use, you know? So you look at it as a, like a study of a single person and then, you know, the case is being examined and explained. That's what Derek does. And it's, he's very good at that. Yeah. And you know, with, with Greg, it's always like, oh, you have this guy, let's make fun of him. And I'm so much smarter, I have so much better genetics. <laughs> and so that's why I, ca I can't watch it, you know? Yeah. I, I can't watch it. It's not my kind of content because you can you can do it slow and steady, like John Meadows always taken as an example. You can do it slow and steady and just keep producing quality content. And even John Meadows now a little bit more vanilla. Right. You know, it's more vanilla content. I, I can't say I blame him. He's got a supplement company. He always... Uh, Hardcore in-depth stuff is behind the paywall in the in the membership website. Right. And you know, and with YouTube, you always have to wonder, you know, if, if you talk about performance enhancing drugs openly, you know, is my channel going to be deleted? Sure. Yeah. And uh and that's that's scary, you know, when you put so much effort into it because they can take it away like this. Yeah, yeah. No, that stuff is definitely scary. I think just in yeah. general, um, and this is kind of it, you and I have experienced when like talking to somebody, it's also different when like you just hear something indirectly. Like I, no. I have a feeling like if you talk to Greg Doucette in person, I'm sure he's probably a different personality, but he's a, he's a very knowledgeable businessman. Yeah. Probably, and I, right? and I can't say, I can't say I blame him because, you know, when you look at his earlier contact, that's mostly aimed towards bodybuilders, right? But let's be honest, bodybuilders don't spend money. <laughs> And if they go with a coach, they go with the, you know, either the best or the best or, you know, or the, the guy that, like I recently raised my prices, right? And I priced myself out of the bodybuilding market because mm. I don't think bodybuilders are going to pay for the coaching rates and the consultation rates that I charge right now. Yeah. But I had to increase it because the demand is going up to the right. point I'm flooded with work. I can't handle any more clients. So, you know, I can just say no or increase the rates and, and try my luck, right? People get upset so, sometimes when somebody's just like, oh, this is egregious that somebody charges this much. And mm -hmm. it, for certain things, I can understand that, right? I mean, especially if it's, you know, we're all talking about things that nobody needs, right? Like, obviously, this is different than like in medicine, like pharmacies charging ridiculous prices. No, nobody's like sick and they're yeah, sick in a bodybuilding. Yeah. Well, you know, we oh, all get yeah. some medical, yeah, we all yeah. get some medical stuff going on, you know, underneath. <laughs> but <laughs> in general, but to me, I'm like, dude, like, I don't blame anybody. Like, it makes sense to me. If, if you're super busy 
increase the prices and then you'll be a little bit less busy. And then if you get super busy again, like that's just how, I mean, that's just like basic finances, right? I mean, that just it's makes sense. Progression of finances. Yeah. 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 So I can understand why, why, you know, why Greg is, was charging like 20,000 a year. Yeah. And, and hey, if somebody's going to pay that, I mean, you know, there, there are people out there, man, increase my race, but you just, you're slowly spacing yourself away from the fitness industry. Yeah. And with that, if you, when you realize like, oh, I can actually charge $500 for a one hour consultation, which is high. I understand yeah. this, but the bodybuilders are no longer paid. So, or, you know, the hardcore fitness enthusiasts are no longer willing to pay it unless they're financially successful. So you have to address, change your content for more for the guys that, you know, are willing to pay that kind of information. So now you, you can see by my thumbnails, I've changed the direction of my channel as well, because I realized this hardcore bodybuilding content where you talk about vasodilators pre-war, uh, you know, before the bodybuilding show and, and, and particular growth hormone uh, loading protocols, it doesn't help your business. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> my friend, uh, he has a podcast, Abel Chabai, we always joke about, and this isn't a knock on you, obviously, but just it's generally you'll see it. It's like every account on Instagram will be like, I target wealthy professionals and businessmen, right? Like it's, it's always just like the tagline, right? Like I right. exclusively work with like high achieving, high earning and successful men, you know, something like that. So, which, I mean, it's oh, a good market, but it's just some of these people you look at it and you're like, no, you don't like, there's no way you have these clients, you know, you can, you no. can tell sometimes when somebody's completely bullshitting. No, I know, but it's, it's, you know, a lot of people are faking and faking it until you make it right. right. And, and the reason why, again, I'm just keeping flooding full with clients. Like today I got three con uh, client requests again. Nice. And, and where are all these people coming from? I only have 14,000 subscribers, mm -hmm. you know, which is not, not much compared to some of the bigger uh, guys. Sure. And, uh, but it's good, it's good results for a year on YouTube. I'm happy with yeah. it. No, I mean, and, I'd be, yeah, right. sure. uh, but I think, you know, at one point, like when you're in demand, you're slowly pricing yourself out of the fitness community, you know, and, the, and yeah. then you have to go with the guys that are wealthy and it can actually incorporate some of the advice because let's say my back when my services were more affordable, then the clients were complaining that the advice was expensive. Yeah, right. <laughs> the incorporation, like I, I expect you to do the blood work every three months or maybe every monthly. You know, I want you to buy only pharmaceutical grade growth hormone, not this generic underground, uh, you know, no MK677, please. Right, right. You know, if you want to work with me, this, you know, all organic food and this. So the advice would be more expensive. So now that the rates are higher, the, the people who can actually sign up for coaching and are willing to do the blood work, they can actually afford the advice and, and incorporate it. Right, right. And, yeah. and, that, and that's why I started those ebooks, which are taking forever because I want them to be correct, to have an alternative, affordable approach mm -hmm. for the hardcore fitness and bodybuilding guys. So, yeah, I only have $25 or $50 to spend. You know, I'll, I'll get access to your advice that way. And, right. Uh, yeah. I'll, it's always I'll like a system, myself. You know, you, if you want yeah. to work with me individually, it's this much, but hey, here's a right. bunch of, you know, content. And then also, we all give free content, right? We all provide a lot of free content. Yeah. On it's YouTube, not like so. I don't upload every day. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, right so you can, you can take from that what you will. But, you know, what, what's weird about social media is that people only watch the video of the day, right? So we upload this today and we'll go up. The views will go up a couple thousand and it will decline and it will fade into nothing. Yeah, right. Instagram right. is like notorious for this. Like it's a picture of the day. 
Yeah. And there's no, there's no search engine. There's hashtags, but there's right. no yeah. search engine. So you would never be able to find a certain picture again. Yeah. Unless you go scrolling, which no, takes forever. Annoying. And you get, yeah. Right. But with YouTube, you can, with the keywords and the title, and so people can find it back later, but most of them, they don't do it. Right. So, I've almost, and I've not done it because I, I don't think it would be a great idea, but I've almost considered uploading old videos and not yeah, to be do it. like, I, I've, I've done the same thing. I, like, and, not like my and, super old videos, like my first ones, I'd be like, okay, this was not like good quality, but some of them I'm like, this is a good video. And half of you haven't seen it. So just yeah. put it out. Same thing with Instagram posts. Like I have posts from two years ago. Nobody's looking at that anymore. Like, and it's still the good content. Remember. So they can't remember. Yeah. So and then you just package it up nicely with everything you learned in the meantime, and right. then you right. bring it to a larger audience. Yeah. You know? exactly. And it's yeah, especially when you have like growth like yours. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a, it, in that case, really, I mean, almost none of them have probably even seen it. And you go by the comments, you know, you read the comments and said, I've watched this before. No, no comments like this, even though I made comparable videos in the past, mm-hmm. you know, and then every time it gets more in depth and more specific, I'll probably do the same video a year later. You know, yeah. for the new audience, because nobody goes back. And when your your old video has 500 views and the new video gets 5,000 views. Right. And maybe the next time it gets 50,000 views. Again, it's revenue. You yeah. know, so it's just it's just common business practices. And, you know, I, I saw that at some of the other YouTube channel. We're like, you know, I watched this video be- before, but in a different package. Yeah. Right? I don't hear anything new, but. I'm not going to bitch about it in the comment section, but mo- most of the audience hasn't seen well, it. I think the if loyal... they have seen it, they've forgotten it. Right. Like the loyal followers. So like I watched um, Omar Yusof for a long time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I, when I first got into like the YouTube scene, I didn't watch him. I almost was like, who's this guy kind of thing. Like I, I almost felt like I just didn't need to, but I was like, all right, I keep seeing his videos everywhere. I'll subscribe. And I watched his videos like on and off for years. And I was like, dude, if I see another how to grow your back video from this guy, like I just, I can't, like there literally must've been yeah. 10 of like the same videos, but I know yeah. I wouldn't make comments on it, but I was like, it makes sense. Right. Because like for mm-hmm. me, and one of the nice things about having it as like a side gig is that like, I make videos when it's specifically something I want to talk about. I have no right. pressure at all to, mm-hmm. oh, I got to come up with content. I, I mean, I'd like to make, um, consistent content and i do i have one podcast every takes, single week consistently. It's, a, it's a full-time job it's right a, it is a full-time job and so i like that i don't have that responsibility but mm-hmm. like i understand for somebody that like this is his career so yeah he right. does have to make the same video freaking every six months because he's growing and people haven't seen it and it's getting the views mm-hmm. so it's like and you learned something in not? the meantime or you forgot something the last time like sometimes you're i forget something specific and you see like ton ton of the same questions you're like oh man i should have mentioned that mm-hmm. but then again sometimes i've had these I've had like a steroid profile video series and I mention everything. Yeah. And every video you see the views declining <laughs> to the point you get to the dosing videos and then it goes up again. Right. <laughs> so yeah, because I know how, how do I, how much trimbalone do I take? You right, know, right. nobody cares about the medical history or train cough or the, you know, the anxiety and, and the night sweats and all that stuff. Nobody cares. Just right. dosing. how much trend do I take? I'll, yeah. uh, I'll just wrap up the social media talk with just a quick story. Cause I, so, sure. At some point, I got to connect with both these guys, and I owe Leo a call, actually. But um, mm-hmm. so I reached out to Jason Blaha, I don't know, months ago about having him on the podcast. And I was a little back and forth about it because, you know, he does have a questionable reputation. And um, yeah. but I was like, you know, it's my podcast. Like, if I want to talk to somebody, I think it could be an interesting conversation. Yeah, and not? then he and I, I really appreciated this. He warned me that, like, look, just so you know, I still have some of these crazy stalkers and like if I go on your podcast, they might come after you. 
And like I said, like, I don't need like my family getting attacked or something, some crazy. I mean, literally, like, oh, I would people do that today to J Jason. Apparently still. I mean, this is again, I'm just telling you what he told me. So I appreciated yeah. the warning. He said, you know, if you're comfortable with that, I'll come on. So I wanted to think about it. Um, but, you know, and I feel bad that like he's tried to remove himself for so many years from that. He still gets it. You know, it's a shame. So then Leo came on my podcast and we talked about Jason quite a bit. So then Jason messaged me and was like, you know, not happy with it. And so Jason and, and I talked for a while and I'm like, look, <laughs> and I, I sent him voice messages because stuff through text always gets. Yeah, know, yeah, right. So yeah, yeah. we talked a for a little bit. A, you know, and I was like, look, man, going like, on a voice message is way better. <laughs> right, right. And, and so I was like, look, like I am a very open person. I'm putting it all out there and I'll, I like to be very forward. So like, even if I've like, I don't like to say anything behind somebody's back and to the point where if I've talked about somebody and then they'll come on my podcast, I'll specifically go out of my way to tell them, hey, just so you know, like I said this and this about you, like because I just don't want like something right. that was said, you know. So I said the same thing to both of them. I was like, look, like it, I'm not going to like hide anything if for all, you know, if they want to both come on my podcast, that'd be great. But I, but Leo, um, but then Jason made a video saying a lot of negative stuff about Leo. And I think he kind of mentioned me in the video. Jason did. So really. Leo reached out to me about it. So I said, I, I owe him a call at some point, but um, I think my words are probably a little bit twisted because I, I don't speak negatively on almost anybody. So, uh, yeah. but I just, it's just funny when like, you just get like one person saying something about this person and this person contacts you about it. Goes, it. it goes very, very fast. And I'm like, let's all get in a media. room somewhere and just talk, yeah, talk it out <laughs> because <laughs> there's clearly some misrepresentation and misunderstanding. But here. you got to remember that in bodybuilding, there's a lot of insecurity and a lot of hormones. Yeah. Right. So you get insecure people and a lot of hormones in the same room that usually ends up, you know, and then messages get misconstrued, whether that's through text or even through voice sure. messages. It's yeah. uh, that's why I try to stay away from the dra drama. But I'm sure at one point there will be oh, a yeah. video about yeah. me like oh, this. Steve, this, yeah, this guy doesn't know anything. You know, <laughs> like right? Yeah, I, no, I, it doesn't I, matter I, how nice you are. Somebody's gonna somebody's gonna make something to talk about. I, if if I can get away like being generally loved, like John Menos, then my job is complete. John is definitely one of the guys who pretty much yeah. everybody loves. Yeah. yeah. Besides Aaron Singerman, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've actually got John coming on in like two weeks. Um, okay. I've, I haven't talked to him since, well, I haven't talked to him live since uh, right. his heart attack. So it'd be oh, interesting to catch up. Yeah. But yeah, because yeah. we actually spoke like hmm. two weeks before his heart attack. He was on my podcast mm -hmm. and I was asking him about his heart health. And then that happened and it was just like, damn like scary yeah i was wondering if it had to do with COVID because you know a lot of people during COVID got some clotting issues like i think uh, what was his name yeah. the guy um he got COVID as well he had like a blood clot in his leg uh man i forgot his name he's on the ford abiad podcast every week i never watched it oh 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 <laughs> oh, oh okay um yeah, so you know, maybe maybe it's related to that. You can ask him. Maybe maybe I didn't even know conclusion. really who Fuad was until I heard Leo talk about him. It, oh just, yeah, yeah. Leo, I don't know Leo if it's a different a space. Strong, strong opinion. Yeah, yeah. Right. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so it, moving on. Um, you mentioned that you are off everything. The last time we talked, off all um, hormones. I'm, I'm off. I was off, 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 like 100% drug free for two weeks. Okay. And now I'm back into growth hormone. Okay. So just growth hormone right now. Just growth hormone. Nothing How's else. your weight? 
94.5, but I am fasting. So that's what, 200 something, okay. close to 200 pounds. Yeah. How long have you been yeah. fasting? Five days. Nice. And I did a three day fast. Yeah, I saw that. Let's week. talk about it. You, you still trained, right? How did it go? Um, so I did, so that's my second three day fast. And honestly, like both of them were not hard. You're just a little bored because you realize how much time goes into food. Right. I mean, if you're like making food and like now I was working, so that helped for mm -hmm. sure. Right. But what I noticed, like I would get home and it would be, you know, I work some late hours sometimes I get home at like 730 and normally mm -hmm. I would make food. I, you know, maybe mm -hmm. watch some YouTube, whatever, while I'm eating and, you know, get ready and I'd come home and I'm just like, guess I'll go to bed. Like, <laughs> yeah, what do I do now? Right. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, go ahead. And then the problem is you associate certain things with food. So you would start mm -hmm. watching YouTube. Normally I would have food and then you get a little bit anxious. Like, yeah, you, know, you start to look around like, well, this thing is missing. Yeah. yeah right. A couple of days in a row and then you get, you know, a little bit, then, then the hunger starts to come, but it's not physical hunger. It's mental hunger because you get bored. Yeah. Right. So I did test my ketones and I was obviously in ketosis. Uh, I was like yeah. 2.5 millimoles. Um, but I felt good. Oh, I mean, and, five. Oh, yeah, that's so not it, too high. Yeah. it's not really high. No, no. But even when I do like a ketogenic diet, which is, I don't eat a high protein ketogenic diet, but even just like moderate protein, I never get into like deep ketosis. I'm at like 0.5 to one. Like it's just kind of there. I know it's and like even after prolonged ketosis months and months. Yeah. Hmm, okay. Now, I if I brought my protein high. a lot lower and brought my mm -hmm. fat higher, then it probably would. But I mean, I was eating like 180 grams of protein. I mean, it wasn't like crazy amounts. That's not I mean, so high. No, 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 no. It so. could be. No, everybody's different, right? And it, again, you don't want the ketones in your blood. You want them in your brain. Yeah. It's, so uh, it's just a measure to measure, but it's it, it doesn't indicate how deep the actual state of ketosis is. If you're productive and you feel good, then, you know. Do you follow Dom Diagostino? You don't you know. I, I got to be honest. I, I'm so busy right now that I okay. barely have time to follow anybody dom is like yeah. well-researched keto guy been doing it for 10 years like he's mm -hmm. when i think of like you know one of the foremost experts on ketosis i think of dom diagostino okay. um you know his phd is in it he's he's got a actually i think he's got a neuroscience background um okay. he's worked with nasa and, and all that to for applications of ketogenic diet for like deep diving mm -hmm. and stuff like that so um but yeah i mean i i've had stints like since I was in high school with keto and I, I like it for certain applications, but that, and even like the fasting, like I felt great when I did the fasting, but honestly, like mm -hmm. right when I got back to, so I have like some GI issues and like, right when I got back to like my diet, it was like immediately just returned. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's something you have to actually keep doing. You know, if you have some GI issues, especially if they're related to carbohydrates, it's just something you have to do. But for bodybuilding, it's not very enjoyable to have right. no pump after six reps and no more energy. You know, so I've, I've, you know, I've been doing ketogenic diet for like 15 years, so I'm incredibly fat adapted. Oh, really? And that's why it's so easy to, no, I mean, I have my bouts with carbohydrates, obviously. Okay. I mean, Sunday is uh, all, uh, you know, no limits. Oh, every <laughs> Sunday? Yeah, every Sunday I still have ah, nice food. Okay. But now going forward, I probably won't do that because I'm trying to resolve this non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Right, right, right. How's that going? 50% done, which is pretty slow based on 50% based on what? So I had an ultrasound four and a half months ago. I just released that that liver update video, but you know, it's released yesterday. So four and a half months ago, I did the ultrasound and it showed like, you know, blurry echo So you see that the outlines of the liver are not clear. 
and then I did an ultrasound about three weeks ago and it's more clear. So I had three second opinions and they gave me between 40 to 50% improvement. Mm. So considering all the supplementation I put into practice and, you know, gumming off cycle and restricting my uh, caloric intake for a while and doing cardio. And I did basically everything right, yeah. except the CIRMs, you know, the selective estrogen receptor modulators. And maybe it was the wrong decision to come off cycle because, you know, staying on hormone replacement might be able to speed up the process in the resolvement. So mm. two mistakes, well, one mistake, but it was related. So I could have been a little bit further down the line, but the doctors that told me said, you know, probably wouldn't have been resolved by now. So other proactive approaches, 50% improvement. So I'm going to fast until it's resolved. Yeah. I mean, that, that, you're going to that, fast that, continuously or you're going to just keep, oh, really? Oh, sh damn. <laughs> but it will wow. be fast, fasting mimicking with vegetables. So okay. I have like a, a mountain of vegetables, basically a bunny, a rabbit. Yeah. You know, wow. right now. So I'm going to do vegetables only. With, Are you, you know, working out? No, I stopped working out three weeks ago. Oh, my gosh. I'm not a bodybuilder right now. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little vegan, uh, <laughs> you know, skin little vegan right now. Wow, yeah. man, that so would be tough for me. It it is, but I'm I'm still using you know growth hormone and, and a little bit of an appetite suppressant. So, you know, it's um, it's manageable for now. Yeah. But let's see if I can last. You know, two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. Oof, man. It's going to be tough. So I, I think the reason. There's so much things related to non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And the more research I do, the more confused I get. And the more I discuss yeah. with three different specialists, the, the less obvious it becomes which direction I need to follow and what the actual cause was, because everybody's saying something different. Yeah. Right. So I just looked into the logical aspect. Okay. There's fat in the liver. It needs to be result, uh, removed. There's two directions it can go in or three. One of them is being actively burnt within the liver for metabolic processes. One of them is exiting into the bloodstream and being burned off with other tissues. And another one is exiting the liver through bile acid. So no intake of fat or minimal, improving bile acid excretion, improving metabolic rate by limiting caloric intake and making sure the energy expenditure still goes up. Let's give that a month until I become non-cognitive non and then my wife can pull the plug and say, hey, it's time to eat. But, you know, I've done these fasts so many times now. And, and you know, it's the fifth day now. What's the longest I'm you still fasted? Good. The longest was like six and a half days. But that's okay. like right after you schedule your deload with a fast. You know, and you get a little bit of autophagy that way. And, and you, you recover. And then by the sixth day, you get pretty hungry. But mm -hmm. now I didn't train for two weeks. I still did cardio. So I didn't train for two weeks. I did my liver enzyme test, which all came into range. Yeah. But my ultrasound showed that I still had, you know, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Um, so now we're going to go the hardcore extreme route and just, you know, eat vegetables until it's resolved. Yeah, it's uh, and liver enzymes is one of the things I wanted to talk about, actually, because mm. I've always found that bodybuilders will always look for excuses to justify their, you know, the yeah. detrimental health things that they do. Guilty. <clears throat> and, and it happens. And so. I see this all the time with um, liver enzymes. Doctors will say, or not doctors, bodybuilders will say, and this has truth to it. They'll say, mm -hmm. oh, my liver enzymes are elevated because I'm a bodybuilder, because I work out. So here's the thing. I know a lot of people who work out, who are natural, who have had blood work done. I've had extensive blood work done. 
I've had my liver enzymes tested numerous times. I told you how insanely elevated mine were when I was taking that oral. And uh, I mean, ridiculous. I never have elevated liver enzymes anymore. Now I'm one person, but almost no natural people I know do. And yet almost every, what's that? Very little, very little naturals have extremely yeah. elevated liver enzymes. So the or, top of the range is usually around 40, 50 yeah. sometimes if they did it like a day after some sort of crazy workout session. Right, right. And But I've have, I have seen it in people with chronically elevated liver uh, enzymes. And funnily enough, those usually come from an obese background. Mm. So they probably have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease undiagnosed as well. Mm. But as soon as I went on cycle and my training intensity increased and my ability to cre- create a higher hypertrophy stimulus, those liver enzymes slowly increased. Yeah. But I, I, you know? I mean, again, my personal belief is that mm-hmm. a lot of these bodybuilders are actually doing some liver damage. Cause there's the thing people think that, oh, well, orals are horrible for your mm-hmm. liver and injectables are completely safe for your liver. Plenty of injectables damage your liver. I mean, like yeah. n- not a question. And yet, Trimbalone hands down. Yeah, even studies on equipoise show mm-hmm. um, liver enzyme, or not just liver yeah. enzyme elevation, but when they actually look at like the cells and, and they do biopsies, there yeah, are so fibrosis there. Yeah, cirrhosis yeah. and fibrosis, same as in the kidneys. You know, right. Trimbalone and uh, emboldenone, and even some studies showed that nandrolone at certain dose just said, you know, kidney toxicity. So there's very limited selection what we can use, you know, but for the sake of muscle. We're willing to uh, see all of that through the fingers. Right, right. As long as you get your big biceps. And then again, you get that health, negative health ramification, then you sober up a little bit. But we all go through this, the same process and we don't listen. I didn't listen. Mm-hmm. And 99% of my uh, audience probably doesn't listen to everything I have to say either. You know? Yeah, I mean, and I'm still stubborn I... sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, doing certain things. Yeah, I mean, when I was. 2021. 20, and I mean, I think I was much more educated on the topic than most people even back then. Mm-hmm. But you just you were all susceptible to bias, right? And and you find yeah. the stuff that well, this person didn't have issues. And this person didn't have issues. And this person so there you go. And you just kind of and then those stories, the stories of something happened. Well, they had a pre existing condition, they must have they I'm sure they did. Maybe they just didn't know it. Right. But they must have had something. You know, what I mean, if they just did this, they'd be fine. You just try to justify continuous <laughs> use, you know, and it's yeah. this is the curve because nobody wants to sacrifice their muscle for anything. Right? You know, nobody and I uh, and, and most of us they stop for negative health ramification. And that's that's just the reality of it. And it doesn't matter how much research you do until you see it like an alarm, a real alarm sign, mm-hmm. you're just going to keep going. Yeah. Just going to, or, or you have a coach that says, Hey, the F are you doing? Let's right. uh, cut it back, which I've done with several times with my clients, but I don't have a coach. So I'm my own coach. And then I looked at my liver enzymes just going up and up slowly, steady. And I'm training harder. I'm getting stronger. And somehow you're judging it, justifying it for yourself. Because when you take a week off, those liver enzymes come right back into range. Yeah. And they say, I'm fine. You know, and the rest of the liver enzymes, they come from all the supplements that I'm taking or because I'm continuing, you know, but in reality, the liver enzymes, they should be around 10 to 20, you know, 10 to 15 units per liter. Mine haven't been that low in uh, maybe, maybe three, four years. Wow. And it, 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 like when I was traveling, when I traveled through China and, and Hong Kong and stuff, I did. I did my blood work in Asia and my liver enzymes were elevated too, like 50 or 60. And that's just from eating street food. And I, and who I remember knows you said that, you did that, yeah. Yeah. Who knows what was inside, you know? So 
it's it's always a little bit hard to pinpoint that's why i'm happy i did these ultrasounds because my latest uh liver enzyme showed like 30 to 35 units per liter which is technically in range and then you do your ultrasounds so yeah liver enzyme or uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease still present yeah it's just a little bit a little bit improved so good luck in the next couple of months something that i i talked with you know cornelius parkin i know he was on um yeah, I think he. I think he had what well, he was on your po podcast, and I think he reached yeah. out to me through oh, Instagram he? at one point. Yeah, I think okay. so. It's it's like I said, it's very hard to remember who right, right, right. reaches out. You know, because it's hard to remember. Yeah, 40, 50 messages a day. It's crazy. Yeah, man. he's well. You definitely get more than me. I get a, I get a handful per day. But he's he's mm -hmm. a cool guy. Um, you know, impressive physique, and mm -hmm. we were talking. He's the IFBB judge, right or no? I don't know if he's a judge. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. No, um something else. but Sorry. he uh we were talking and i said like because he just really loves to train so even when he mm -hmm. went from enhanced to natural he he was still training and i said I, like i would have to you know if i did like a big cycle and then i came off and you know i would i would have to try to keep everything i could because it would just kill me to see it right. go down but mm -hmm. i and, and i always kind of like i don't know if i would say look down on but like i i've had friends who they will do a cycle and then they will come off and they'll just stop working out. And I'm like, dude, like you're so lazy because you're just <laughs> working out when you have gear. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, and they're like, yeah. they're smaller than me and, and I'm not using gear because they just, they'll just come off and they'll do this back and forth, back and forth. However, I will say that psychologically, I could almost see like, let's say you were going to lose 30 pounds of muscle if you came off mm -hmm. gear and didn't work out. But you'd right. lose let's say 20 pounds of muscle if you came off gear but continue to work out mm -hmm. psychologically it almost might be easier to say i'm just removing myself from this whole bodybuilding sphere for now and i don't have to go in and each and every workout realize how much weaker i am you know what i mean was, even though the end result is worse psychologically yeah. that might be easier so so the way I justified for myself two conditions over the last four and a half months that I came off cycle and did post cycle therapy. Like I said, I was getting weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. Now, part of that is psychological. And part of that is, uh, you know, because my testosterone levels are declining, you know, even though I was in a caloric surplus. So my body composition is getting worse and my exercise performance uh, is going down. Right. Part of that is psychological, but I also feel like why am I wasting my time in the gym when I can take the two hours that I'm putting in the gym being unproductive, you know, in regarding my bodybuilding journey? Right. Why, why am I not spending that on my business? So I am. And over the last four months, my business has gone up substantially, you know, even though I was training before. Now in the last three weeks, I mean, since February, I didn't train, right? And my, you know, the two hours extra that I have in a day has been really productive for my business endeavors. So that's how I justify it. Plus, you know, by the time I'm ready to go back to the gym, it's an uphill climb instead right. of downhill, right. which, you know, sucks. And then when you go uphill, you know, you can get a little bit of stamina back and, and a little bit of strength back because you're basically starting from zero again. Just like the time when I traveled, I went to the gym. I could only do 25 pound dumbbells. Yeah. And then the next week, 30 and then 35. Right. And so the, the road down is a lot less enjoyable than the road up. So I'd rather have myself decline and I'll do a video about it in the future, about the mentality of stopping with bodybuilding, because I've been gone through this process now three times. You know, one time when I broke my leg in a motorcycle accident, second time when I traveled and now. Wow. And it's 
honestly, it's not a big deal. It's really not a big deal. But if you know, if you have more than bodybuilding going on, it's okay. But if you're like a one-dimensional meathead, then it's yeah, then it's very tough. You know, and your entire livelihood depends on it. For sure, and and I think it depends on like how much people put into it and your investment in it. Um, mm. And also, I. I think like for me, like I've always said, like I'm just on the cusp of like, like if you meet me in person, mm. like I'm not a big guy, like I'm six one and I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, I go between 190 and like 200 pounds, right? So like at best I have like an athletic physique. So I feel like if you're like 250 and you go down to like 220, you're still mm -hmm. to every normal person, like, a, you know, that, that you could still have that identity as like a fit bodybuilder guy. If I lose even 10 pounds of muscle, I've just crossed over into like, you know, just like, do you even lift territory, which I'm like almost at anyway. <laughs> so yeah, so, becomes, so um, yeah. I, I went from 255 to 200, right? So I dropped close to 55 pounds. Yeah, it's a big difference. But I live in Thailand, so I'm still huge. <laughs> right, exactly. But I'll be honest, like 255 for me was extremely enjoyable in the gym for the one or two hours that I was there. Yeah. And the, the rest, rest of, of the day, I felt, the, well, the rest of the time, I felt like a freak yeah you know and every time we go out everybody's staring you know and then you go shopping for clothes and everything's too small sure you go outside Especially and you're sweating buckets yeah anything. right so i'm handicapping myself by being bigger so i always felt like around 200 225 i feel comfortable and and big but not too um not too big yeah yeah it's such a gin pop word i know but it, <laughs> it's uh I'm, I'm slowly turning into gin pop right now so right <laughs> it's I think I'll stay, you know, when I go do go back into training around 200, 225, you know, I, I had my stint, stints up to 240, 250, 255. And after being there for a while, and, and it, it's a lot of fun in the gym, and it's cool, you know, it's good for your business, and you're yoked and all that stuff. Right. Uh, but it's not sustainable. It's, how, it's never how much did you weigh in those pictures with you doing the pose that's like your uh, yeah, the, the, that's plastered everywhere. Um, 225 okay you see so you're yeah, pretty I, lean there yeah yeah lean about eight percent body fat not not stage shredded but right lean, right maybe and it's after water manipulation and carb loading and all that stuff and yeah about 225 in the morning of the shoot so do you guys good. um I, I remember hearing you on a podcast and i don't watch i actually don't watch many podcasts at all like in like the fitness mm -hmm. space because i feel like i've just been inundated with it for so many years but <laughs> yeah, i i've yeah. definitely checked out a few of uh, yours and leo's and um mm -hmm. you mentioned i think at some point you mentioned like your neck size at like 255 compared to now have you ever measured it no but it's a lot less a lot less for sure yeah know? but yeah. I, I never had sleep apnea or mm -hmm. i didn't really snore because i always did my cardio and i progressed in weight very very slowly mm-hmm you know, so a lot of people would say, yeah, well, you know, what's the point? But I like to just acclimatize to the increasing body weight. And I do that with most of my clients, just slow, steady progression. So you don't get these weird side effects, you know? Yeah. So my neck was never really big, even though I trained traps like there was no tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, people ask me about neck training because I, I did make a couple of videos on it. Um, and, you know, because I, I mean, I started with like a pretty thin neck and I worked mm -hmm. it up to like, I would say an Same. average neck you know <laughs> same, same. I, I had like you know pencil pencil neck was applicable back then yeah and so we neck would do the, like the like did you do the reverse um what is a leg curl you know you go into the leg curl and you no i never did i, I just bought a harness okay yeah so i did the harness in the reverse neck curl uh yeah. or a hamstring curl and then just do it for your neck i did it for like eight years 
Yeah. You know, when I was still drug free and then I realized, you know, with a little bit of steroids and shrugs will uh, get the job. Done. Right. Right. After 10 years of trying drug. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I, I was able to gain an inch on my neck at the same body weight. So like okay. somebody made a comment in one of my last videos and they're like, Oh, you, you think you really couldn't gain any more muscle. That doesn't make sense. And I was like, no, I never said I couldn't gain any more muscle. Obviously, like if I go from 200 to 250, I'll have more muscle mass. I'll just have a lot more fat mass. The whole point is also, when yeah, you yeah. cut back down to the same body mm -hmm. fat, will you be bigger? Right. right. And That's so, right. And mm -hmm. so at, even after having lifted for, I think at the time, 14 years or whatever, you know, nothing mm -hmm. else was growing, but I actually put a, a little over an inch on my neck. So I was like, you know, I don't have at all a big neck, but I was happy to gain an inch at all anywhere. Right, <laughs> it's an inch, an inch gained, right? It doesn't matter where you gain it. And right. in, in the end, it's extra muscle and more contours to your physique. Yeah. And a neck is really, and again, I'll never have this look, but like, it's funny. I even remember like in my yearbook in like, like high school and like, you know, you just see from like oh, here yeah, up on yeah, people yeah, yeah. and you could just see like some guys just look like really tough. And those are the yeah. guys with a big neck, right? And the jaw mm -hmm. and everything. It's like a neck and traps and everything that I feel like they very much signify like a powerful look. You know what I mean? Well, that's, that's the first thing you see, right? Yeah. When you, that's mo what most people think. So I think I had the similar, you know, philosophies, like I need to have this rugged and masculine look, but I completely let that go after I moved away from the Western world. Yeah. And well, I, see in Thailand, guys, I think they're the more, you don't features. need to. You know, I'm already more muscular than, than general population here. And even when I was drug free, I was already, you know, a little bit more masculine than general populations, you know, because of the racial difference Yeah. and how on their culture, you know, the, the men here are not as masculine as the, you know, what we consider masculine yeah. um, as, as the men in the Western world. And then you could say that the men in the Western world are not as masculine as the guy that, you know, the men that come from Africa. Hmm. I mean, there's always a desire for certain women to get a little bit more masculine, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So that's the intermixing. It's totally fine. Everybody has their preference. I just, I just noticed by changing, changing like countries, you get a little bit of a different outlook sure. regarding to what you want. Like I see in the Western world, now everybody's growing beards mm -hmm. because you, you, it's a little bit more rugged and you get a, a little bit more respect. And I remember Dan, the bodybuilder in Thailand. When he went back from, uh, yeah, as another guy that lived here in Thailand and he, he was there like for two years and then he went back to the States and he's like, dude, I got to grow a beard because nobody takes you serious without a beard. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> it's, it's, it's so, because I've been here for 15 years, right? It's a completely different country and culture. And I remember when I was younger, you always have this, a little bit of a, you know, alpha, alpha attitude you know yeah. and when you go out and you're with groups of people and there's other groups of people and you know quick quick with your words to hold your ground in in situations and here it's it's completely unnecessary that's to the point i'm always to the point i'm a little bit worried if i go to back to the western world again you know if i get into uh, a situation will i be able to hold my own yeah right that's interesting right I've never been to any yeah. Asian countries, so but I, just from like what people have told me about it, that sounds about it's very late, very very laid back. Yeah, very stress free. Um, you know, until you start driving. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to bring up. I heard you guys talking about uh, like HCG and mm -hmm. um, you know buying things from like online pharmacies and stuff because this is something I, I did talk with Leo about because yeah. there was um, a Valsartan recall a couple right. of years back. And, um, it, you know, it was said to have some carcinogens in it. 
And I said to Leo, cause he's like so on top of health, like to like a much higher degree than almost anybody. And I was kind of surprised so. he kind of brushed it off. He was like, ah, you know, it, I was just like, he, he just didn't seem that concerned about it, which really surprised mm-hmm. me. But um, now this is something that's supposed to be FDA regulated, right? So I've always said like, I just, I know plenty of people who will go on like um, these, these various websites online and they'll order stuff. And I don't know if it's just like my background, but I think it's nuts because I just think like, you just have no idea of what you're getting. And I, I'm sure you know. probably disagree with me, but no, I agree. I totally agree. You never know. That's yeah. why I made a video about it. it said not all, not all pharmaceuticals are the same. Yeah, because you have it's generics just... and different brands, and there's still stuff that passes manufacturing scrutiny. Yeah, uh, all the time. You know, just like in the food industry. You know, you buy a bag of nuts one time, it's good, and the next time it has a heavy metal contamination. Yeah, but there's. Never know. I mean, you you never know, of course, but at least I think when stuff is regulated by the FDA, not that it's flawless at all, obviously, right? There's mm-hmm. a whole issue, and things are recalled at times, but yeah. you we'll often find out that something is recalled. I just think like the guys, like for instance, you were, um, you guys were talking about the difference between um, urine derived versus recombinant yeah. HCG, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. to my knowledge, there was, there's never been a documented case of, so there are studies showing prion contamination in mm-hmm. urine derived HCG. That was one of the issues of why um, they only use recombinant HGH right. now, right? Because people mm-hmm. were actually getting um, CJD from, um, yeah, they were getting weird cadavers. Same as with uh, the uh, insulin derived from pigs. They got some yeah. weird immune or suppressive response, you know, and it's like you have recombinant HMG and mm-hmm. urine derived HMG, which contains LH and FSH right. uh, from purified from urine. But there might be some contaminants in there, you know, peptide contaminants or something else because they, they pass through the filters or however they separate it. Yeah. And I've heard and I've experienced myself a difference between urine purified HMG and a recombinant HMG. Yeah. You know, you get I like just imagine irritation at the at the injection site and like, what is this? Yeah. And, and, and again, I, I don't know from my personal use, but I would imagine like if, if somebody was like, well, I'm really terrified of, you know, getting some like brain disease from the prions. I would never trust again, just personally that like if, if I went on like uh, an online underground website and ordered a recombinant HCG mm-hmm. that it was truly recombinant. And, I, and now there are probably are some examples, but like, it's just, I, I don't know. Like, I just think that it's very unlikely that all of these are going to be what you think they are. You know, if you buy generic, you don't know if you buy something that's actually FDA approved in the Western world, you go to drugs.com and there's an uh, entry for it, mm-hmm. then you should be okay. Unless yeah, it's a yeah. counterfeit unless it's counterfeit, which happens also. You just had a guy who bought ACG from one of the more notable, um, you know, pharmaceutical grade websites, and he got an ACG didn't work. His testosterone didn't go up, estrogen didn't go up. His pregnancy test came back negative. Yeah, so it's like, what were you injecting? You know, that stuff to me, I... Just some random peptide, relabeled. Yeah. No, you know, so this is the, you know, when you want to get your hands dirty with uh, steroids, Good luck. It's a deep yeah. end. It's the same as with street drugs. You know, you buy MDMA tablets. And I mean, I used to party in Holland. I mean, come on now. I used to be <laughs> young too. Go to raves and stuff. But you never really know what you would get. One time it was 50 milligrams. One other time it was 75. Another time, 15. Right. And then the other time it was just amphetamines. Yeah. But you, right. take, I mean... you, take, you take the risk for enjoyment. 
you never know. Yeah, it's scary, man. And again, I'm, I'm just such a neurotic with my health that like I would yeah. need, like I've paid more for like pharmacy drugs that because like mm -hmm. I could have gotten the generic with my insurance and it would be like 10 mm -hmm. bucks, but I'd just be like, you know, I'd rather just have, and, and even then that that is regulated. So um, now if you talk to like 18 year old me, I cared about health, but I, I think once you've had certain There's health levels. issues, <laughs> yeah, like when you've gone through health issues, you just start to realize like, oh, wait, what if this were to happen? What if this were to happen? You know, like I took Accutane mm -hmm. in high school and um, it, it kind of messed me up. And and there was actually even like a big lawsuit, like a class action lawsuit against mm -hmm. um, Accutane. And, you know, there's all this stuff and you, you just start to wonder, like, did I just like permanently damage myself? And you never mm -hmm. know. Um, so like my my dad goes to this clinic with people with um, like really, really dry eyes, like to the point that like these people mm -hmm. want to kill themselves because it's so Not bad. bad yeah. yeah. And like half the people there were people who had like LASIK eye surgery or um, took Accutane, which, you know, mm -hmm. kind of dries you out. And so yeah. it just, it's, it's almost annoying to be part of that world or to like get too delved into medicine and because you just think everything's going to kill you. So I have probably, I'm too far on that side for sure. Um, mm -hmm. I think it'd be healthier to be a little bit more balanced. It's just, that's how I am. But yeah. I see a lot of people who are on this side and it's like, dude, like you, you really need to start caring more about <laughs> what you're putting in your body. And, and you know what the problem is, like all the information that's out there today, let's say you do all the research and, and you come to the conclusion that it's safe. You do 10 re research 10 years later, you might not draw the same conclusion and then you still feel stupid about yourself. Right. Yeah. Because at that time you were incredibly health conscious and you put everything into practice that you thought was correct. And then new data comes out in the meantime that it's not correct. Yeah. And then you still feel a little bit sick. Like, why, why did I do that to myself? You know, and it's as new the data comes out, you know, I wish I never took DNP or Trimbalone, right? The most of the compounds I experimented with, I wish I didn't try, even though I did all the research I could possibly do before experimenting with them. Yeah. You know, in hindsight, I'm like, just test Primo Anivar, GH insulin done, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's scary stuff, man. So, and, and even the pharmaceutical grade, like real pharmaceuticals even has issues like very yeah. grow testosterone cypionate, whole batches under dose nine to eight milliliters instead of 10, mm. you know, some of the generic medications, one batch is good. Another batch is bad. Yeah. We're all, all rolling the dice with everything we do, you know? Yeah.